Welcome to Journey in the Word with Pastor Randy Mosher of Calvary Chapel, the Cumberland Valley. We are located in Hagerstown, Maryland. Please join us every weekday as our pastor takes us verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Today, we're picking up in 1 Thessalonians. In this book, Paul celebrates a church that is flourishing despite persecution, and he encourages them with the hope we have in the return of Christ. So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our Journey in the Word. He goes on, he said, the third thing, God desires for his people as a part of his local body to submit to those leaders that he's put in place. He's placed leadership in place. He expects his people to submit to their authority over them in that local body for their own accountability and their own protection. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 says this. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. You know? It doesn't get it. It's kind of like the other statement. Hebrews is very clear on the things it says. I mean, there's no wiggle room on it. He simply says, hey, obey those who rule over you. Be submissive to them because you know what? If they're truly after my heart, they're going to be concerned with your souls. They're going to be concerned with your soul. They're going to be concerned for your growth, you know, and don't grieve them, you know. So obviously they had their problems in the first century too, you know. But, but the idea being that, hey, see what their value is and why they're there for you. And granted, these leaders, God appoints, are not to set themselves above the people. They're not to, to set themselves spiritually above them as some authority to impose unbiblical things on God's people. That should never happen. I mean, First uh, Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 2, makes that clear. First Peter 5, 2 through 4 says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory. That does not fade away. I like that part. Not, not being lording over those that have been entrusted to you. There are a lot of words in that that are important. I mean, the fact that what he's saying here is that, that you guys, even here as a part of his body, you've been entrusted to me. And the Lord has trusted me with you. He's trusted that I will do the right things with you as best I can. He's trusting that I will not abuse the position that God has given to me here as a pastor. He's trusting that I will care for you in his stead, that I would be his representative to care for you as his sheep, as his people. I often say we are the sheep of his hands, right? That's what the scripture says. We're, we're, we're part of his pasture, you know? We're all sheep. And, and we're to care for the flock as under shepherds. And, and then he says, you know, but being examples to the flock. So, so you don't demand things of them, but you lead them. Now, as a former army guy, I understand this well, you know? I worked for bosses in the army who demanded things from me. Did I do them? Yes. Did I do them with the right heart? No. Did I respect that person? No. Did I want to follow them if I had to go into combat? Probably not. But the best leaders were those that I saw who led by example. They led by example. And I've tried to do that, you know, as a pastor. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to do those things. So I'm not afraid to pick up a broom. Yeah, I'm afraid to pick up a wrench. You know, I've said that before. I'm afraid to pick up a wrench and do something here, like in the bathrooms, because if I do that, I'm just going to make more work for somebody else, because I break things when I start fixing things. <laughs> it's just natural. It is. But it's not that I don't want to. I would if I could. And I do watch, and I do learn, and I do grow, and I'm able to do that. But for years, I mean, we first started, I mean, for years, I, 
I cleaned the church. I was the guy that cleaned the church. I didn't ask people to do it. There were too few people coming, and, and I felt like, you know what, they just needed to grow. They needed to settle in and grow, and so we didn't put that burden on people. I just took care of it. And the one time I complained about it to the Lord, he slapped me, you know, and said, stop your complaining. I just, are you doing this? Who are you doing this for? You doing it for me? I was like, yeah. He said, then worship me. And I, from that moment on, from pushing the broom, I would just, if you walked in, you would just hear me singing in the sanctuary. I would just start singing worship songs and I would do it. You see, that's what he's saying. That's the idea he's communicating. So again, the idea being is that, look, you, you, you're not being expected when he talks about submission to authority and he's talking about these things. He's not saying to submit to unbiblical things and he gives the standard for what biblical leaders will do. And this is just one of them. And here again at, at 1 Thessalonians, back in chapter 2, Paul gives us a description of the heart of those who are sincere in their leading and, and the ones who are not. And, and he says to watch out for those who are not. Because remember what he said in 1 Thessalonians 2, beginning in verse 5, he said this, For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetous, not God is our is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. And so he gives this contrast between the two. And he says, you know what's genuine and you know what's false. Submit to the genuine and reject the false. Reject the false. Yet God still appoints leaders to care for the body to which he's placed you in. And now he simply says to you, submit, submit. So in light of all these things, Paul goes on and he says this, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. So in light of all these things, Paul says to these believers and he says to us, Recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. And when he says recognize, when he says recognize, he doesn't mean in the sense of giving them some public recognition. Look, he's not saying that you should run out and tell all your friends, oh, you should hear Pastor Randy. He's a great guy. If you do that, be ashamed. I wouldn't want you to do that. I wouldn't want you to do that. I would want you to say, you know what? I attend a church where there's solid teaching of God's word. And I'm growing because of it. And quite frankly, if you're growing because of it, people are going to see it without you ever saying anything. They're going to see it happening in your life, you know, and then they'll come and they'll, they'll sit under it as well. But this is not about recognizing in the sense of holding somebody up and exalting them. But simply he means you're to recognize their spiritual position and their authority. That's all he's saying is recognize the position you hold. You're to value the role that God intends for their spiritual leaders that they're to hold in their lives. And he's, he's conveying the idea that you're not to resist them and you're not to take them for granted, but to respect them by yielding to their leadership. It doesn't mean that, again, you're, it doesn't mean you're to follow them in some unthinking, uncritical, unanalyzing manner. No, this is not about yielding absolute and unquestioning loyalty to any spiritual leader. Only cultists demand that of you, right? Only cultists demand that kind of obedience from you. Don't question me. Just do what I say. Boy, I'm just telling you, if you ever hear those words come out of my mouth, you have my permission today to get in your car and drive away. Okay, you have that. It's just kind of like I told my wife and kids. I said, you know what? After watching my mom go down the dementia train, I said, if I ever go down that train, no matter what I say, you put me in the home and it'll be all right. Okay, I'm telling you that while I'm saying. So I'm looking at you in the same venue and saying the same thing to you in this regard. If I were to ever say that to you, you get in your car and you drive away. 
because that's a cultist mentality. That's what cultists do. Cultists, when you question something or ask them something about something spiritual or something that they've said in the scriptures or what they've taught, their immediate reaction is to get on your case about it. Who are you to question that? And it comes across in what they say and the way they say it. Now, look, that doesn't mean that you might not bring something up that I might get a couple minutes of flustered because I'm trying to, I'm real and trying to figure out what did I say, how did it get communicated and everything else. But I'm just going to tell you right now, from my perspective, you're free to question. You're free to, you're free to disagree. Do you understand that? You're free to disagree with me on things in the scriptures. I've never imposed that on you. All I ask is that you give me a fair hearing that you give me a fair hearing and think about the things and pray about the things that I've said. Because ultimately, now we go, do go back to the ultimate authority. And who's your ultimate authority? Jesus. And what did I tell you? I'm not trying to get in between you and Jesus. I'm not trying to do that. I'm simply here to teach. I'm going to impart these things to you. Now you take it back to him and you see what he says. All right? He's just going to tell you I'm right, but it's all good, right? <laughs> I told him that to tell you, right? No, hey, I, I, I'm sometimes wrong. I mean, it just is what it is. And, and I would warn you on that too. And, and it's the fair thing. I think it does go back with recognizing, even as you recognize the spiritual authority of somebody who's placed over the body, at the same time, understand that they're just human beings like you too. And we mess up, right? And, and sometimes leaders who, who try to portray themselves as not doing that really do a disservice to their people. You know, I, I've never grown up with a mentality, whether it be in, especially in spiritual things. But I even had it when I was in the army. I was one of those guys who, who I had to work for a boss who used to say, you never apologize. You never admit a wrong. You never do that. Oh, you correct it, but you never admit it because that's weakness. And I think that's nonsense. I think that's nonsense. I'll be the first one to stand before you and say, you know what? I messed up. I messed up. You know, I remember back in the early days and some of the teachings and how I would stick. We used to do the cassette. We were just cleaning out the shed, found some of the old cassettes. You know, we used to do cassettes before the CD stuff. And, and, and when I would make a mistake in the teaching, I would write a note and I'd put it in all those cassettes and say, see, be a Berean and see if you can find this error. See if you can find the mistake I made in the words that I used. The one I remember the most was when I called David a homosexual by accident because I said he slept with, uh, with Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. <laughs> and, whoops, that was a mistake. I remember walking in the basement or a couple of guys standing in the corner going, shame, shame, and turning their back on me. I'm like, what? They said, blasphemy, blasphemy. I said, what? They said, you called David a homosexual. I did not. Yes, you did. You did. And then I went back and listened to it, and it was like, oh, my goodness, I muddied my words and twisted my words by accident. Oh, my. So I quickly put notes into the thing. But look, you know, leaders should be able to come to you understanding. Again, I think that goes back to the humility by which we've been given in the Scriptures of what leaders are to be, not lording over the people, right? Not lording themselves over the people. And so if we're not lording ourselves, the first step to that is being able to say, you know what, I'm a human being, I make mistakes. And if you put me on an altar, or you put any, I don't care, it's me or any spiritual leader, if you put them on an altar, some kind of a, a podium, you know, a pedestal, that, that somehow they're just not going to make mistakes. You're going to be disappointed. And in the process, that's going to work itself out in your treatment of them. And there's no way that what we're talking about here will ever work out. So you need to understand that. But along with that goes, you should be thinking about what I'm saying. You should be looking at the scriptures that I'm teaching. You should be considering these things. And if they don't line up, feel free to come and talk to me. All right. I might look at you and say, give me some time to think about it. Give me some time to think about it. 
you know, don't badger me with it. Give me a moment to catch my breath and think about it and pray about it and see what I've said, whether it was true or not. And, and maybe at the end, I'll come back and say to you, you know what, I feel strongly about this. This, this seems to be the way that the scriptures are laying it out. But you know what? At the end of that, you know that you're free to go back to the Lord yourself and, and to stand upon your convictions. Amen. So again, this idea that, that somehow, you know, that the person must become their Lord. No, no, that's cultism. But the idea that the Lord has placed people in leadership over his body is an important piece of, of how the body life works. And he says that you're to recognize them. You're to res- recognize their spiritual position. You're to recognize their authority. Now, it's interesting Paul also adds the word in this, and he he adds that we're to give them this due recognition even when they are fulfilling their calling by admonishing you. Even when they're fulfilling the calling of admonishing, he says that, right? And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them highly in love. Interesting. I point that out because of this. It's easy to relate to somebody who's a spiritual leader and to submit to them when they're encouraging us, when they're, you know, propping us up spiritually, when they're giving us good things. But it's not always easy to do when they admonish us, right? When they say, hey, you're wrong. You're wrong about this. And, and, and your, your lifestyle, what you're choosing to do, it's, it's sinful. And it's just, it's counter to the scriptures. You know, that idea of admonishing is a tough thing because it means to put in mind, it means to warn, it means to instruct. And at the very core of the definition, admonishing involves correcting, correcting. And now this goes back to the beginning. You know, we are this kind of free-spirited, independent kind of people, just as Americans, we really are, you know, and we don't like being corrected. You know, who wants to be corrected? We like when somebody else is being corrected. That's okay. You know, but when it's us personally, that becomes more offensive. And, and, and again, but the idea of admonishing is that, that this is something that's been given to spiritual leaders, to put good sense into the head of a person who lacks some sense in a particular area. And that's clearly part of the role of the pastor. And it's not an easy one because most people only like it when that correcting involves somebody else. And quite frankly, I don't like correcting people. I don't like sitting down. I don't like conflict. It's just in my nature. You'd think it wouldn't be with the military, but it's just not. I'm not by nature somebody who wants it in conflict. My mouth will go dry instantaneously. You know, it just happens. And, and I don't like that. And yet I understand that as a pastor, this is a part of protecting the flock, you see. And, and good spiritual leaders understand that this is a part of protecting the flock and we must do this. And so Paul says that the role of the pastor and spiritual leader whom God has appointed over his people and his people are to recognize their authority and to submit to them regardless uh, of whether their labor involves things that we like or we don't like. God's people are to, to esteem them, not just highly, but very highly. He says very highly, in other words, exceedingly abundantly, showing them love and all of the grace that comes with love because you recognize the importance of the work that they've been called to do in your life on behalf of the Lord. Now, I would lie to you to say that I hope that you guys take this to heart. I I want you to take that to heart because I think it's important in our relationship here. I care about you guys. I care about the Lord and I care the calling he's called me to in this role, in this capacity. And I want to faithfully execute that. 
And as we do that, the good days can be very good, but the tough days can be very tough. And, and I would just ask that, you know what, don't put me on a pedestal, but give me hearing. Give hearing to the things that I've shared with you and let the Lord then begin to sort those out. And so Paul ends this, and we're going to end it with this too, but he says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now, I've heard people take that last part of the verse and treat that as something separate from the rest of the passage. Be at peace among yourselves. I've seen that quoted to people, you know, when there's church conflict and stuff going on. Listen, Paul ends this part of the statement because it's still connected to what he's saying. It's still in the sentence. And he says, you know, again, Paul is saying that you're to be at peace in your dealings with church leaders, not at war with them, not at war with them. And as you do this, there will be peace and there will be unity in the body of Christ as a whole. As one commentator put it, he said this, if a congregation respects and loves its leaders, its members will have peace among themselves. Dissension in local churches primarily revolves around disrespect and lack of love of leaders. Churches that respect their leaders are generally free from friction. And you know why that is? Because when there is that kind of resistance that goes on, guess what begins to happen? Factions begin to build, right? Hey, who's he to treat our pastor like that? And then you get the crew that wants to stand with the pastor. Now you got the divide between those who don't want to and those who do. And inadvertently, these things begin to break out. And oh, by the way, because pastors are human beings, maybe they get an attitude in the process. Not that I ever would, but you know, maybe they get an attitude in the process. And then it just fuels the fire. And the enemy is very good at these kinds of things. Look. This isn't to say you're never going to get mad at me, right? This is never to say in whatever church you attend, you're not going to get mad at the pastor. Been there, done that, right? I've sat where you sat. There are times when I would go to my pastor and I was just hotter than a hatter over something, you know? Just bugged me the way he did it because I wouldn't do it that way. But you know what I learned? I wasn't called to do it. He was. He was, you know, a long, long time ago had somebody who just really did not like the way I did things and left on a really bad note, left on a really bad note. And about a year later, he came to see me. And the Lord told me this person was coming back to see me. And I, I mean, the Lord told me the very day, I kid you not. I literally was driving down the street. I saw a vehicle that looked like this person's vehicle. And as I looked and I didn't see them in it, the Lord said, no, it's not them, but he's coming to see you today. And you know what the Lord told me? He said, be gracious to him. Be gracious to him. He's coming to apologize. So all day I'm waiting for this person to show up. Lunchtime I came back looking for the vehicle in the parking lot of the old church and the person wasn't there. By the end of the day, I'd completely forgotten. But then around four o'clock, I'd locked everything up and the old doors in the old church had like opaque glass. You couldn't really see through it. You could just see the shadowy figures. I heard a knock and I came out of my office and I looked and there was a figure that just resembled the person I knew right away. It was that person. And I opened the door and he came in and said, I need to talk to you. And he said, I, I left here with some really awful words to you. And they were uncalled for. He said they were unjustified. I, it's not even that I shouldn't have said them. He said they weren't even true. And he looked at me and he said, I hope you'll forgive me. He said, but I want you to know this. He said, the reason I said the things I said is because I thought I could do it better than you. I thought I could do it better than you. And you know what my answer was? I said, number one, you're forgiven. It's okay. It's all good. You know, that's water under the bridge now. I said, but the second piece of it is you probably can do it better than me. 
You probably can, but the question isn't whether you can do it better. The question is, I've been called. Have you been called to take my place? Have you been called to do this? And if you've not, then it's not an issue of doing it better. Look, we're always going to look at leaders. I don't care where they are, in this church, any church. And we're going to see their shortfalls. We're going to see the things that don't align the way we would do things. Don't we even do that with God? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Is it just me? I do that sometimes with the Lord. It's like, if I were God, I wouldn't do it this way. You know, I would fry that person right now. And I'm in good company because then his disciples want him to do that. Right? But I'm not God. I'm not God. And I'm not that other pastor. And I'm not that other leader. They are. And you know what? If they're erring, if their error is not an unbiblical error, that's completely different. Right? If it's just a simple error, that it's just something they're not doing the right way, maybe they could do it better, but they're not at this point, that's something they're going to answer to with the Lord. That's something they're going to answer to. I, I know one day, <laughs> you know, when people begin to point out, and that doesn't happen too often, but when people just feel the need to point out everything that's wrong with me as a spiritual leader, my answer is, you know what? I know it already. I probably know more things than you do, <laughs> you know? And when somebody starts pointing at other leaders, in other churches and wanting me to go there with them on jump in on the topic about all the faults over there, my general response is, you know what? I got enough problems of my own that I'm going to be answerable to for the Lord. I'll just kind of leave them to the Lord, you know, and he'll take care of them because I'm going to have to answer for the right things I've done and the wrong things I've done as a pastor. You know, so I hope you understand my heart on this. I think it's the, the passage really lent itself to that. And uh, I wanted to say that to you this morning. But, you know, Paul just makes it clear. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And what's their work's sake? Their work's sake is the Lord's work. The Lord's work. If their heart is in the Lord, if they're a man after his own heart, their, their, their heart is going to be where the Lord's heart is, and it's going to be to see his things accomplished in the lives of his people. And you know what's most important to the Lord? You are. You are. It's not all the grandiose world plans he has. It's not all that stuff. It's not even the future kingdom. That's all a part of it. But you know why he's doing all that? For you. For you. He went to the cross for you. As a spiritual leader, I can't speak for everybody else, but I can say it for me. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't remember that I have this position because the Lord loves you and he died for you. And I need to keep that in the forefront of my mind in everything that I say and do. Amen. Some days it'll go well. Some days it won't. Please forgive me when it doesn't. Feel free to challenge me and ask questions and do what you need to do in the scriptures. But I, I, at the end of the day, you know, all I ask is, Honor the scripture as it's here. And you guys have. In all fairness, you guys have. It's a blessing to be your pastor here. It's the truth. Amen? We're going to end on that because if I get into the next, we're going to be here for the next five hours covering that. But I think we will finish up First Thessalonians next week. And then the following week, we're going to begin Second Thessalonians, right? Second follows first. So good. Why don't you stand? Let's pray. <laughs> ah, praise God. This is a crazy morning this morning. Boy, from the moment we walked in, everything was just, technology was going nuts and everything else. But man, I just, the Lord is in this passage today. And I hope he's touching your heart as much as he's touching mine too. He's reminding me this morning of why I am here. So praise the Lord. 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Journey in the Word, a verse-by-verse teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Cumberland Valley. If you would like to listen to more teachings or find out more information about us, go to www.journeyintheword.org. That's www.journeyintheword.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll tune in for our next episode as we continue our Journey in the Word.